and welcome to this week's episode of Another Fine Mess, the European Securitization Podcast. Frequent listeners will already have guessed that this is not the resonant baritone of our usual host, Tom Lemon. Today's episode is hosted by me, Victoria Thiele. I am the European CLO reporter at Global Capital, and here with me, at least virtually, um, is George Smith, who covers ABS and RMBS in Europe. Hi, George. How are you? Hello. Yep. Very well. Thank you. I'm glad to hear that. You were off for a few days. Um, did you recover from the last few weeks that were a bit intense for all of us, but especially you? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have been resting. Well, we, we have actually traveled back up to Edinburgh now and I've been resting and recovering in the last couple of days. Oh, that sounds very well deserved. Um, does it strike you as suspicious at all that Tom move to New York has been talked about for months and then he just so happens to pick the week before he gets like loads of extra spare time off because it's Thanksgiving. It's very timely isn't it? He's clearly it he's optimized. He's taken a leaf out of my book and uh, <laughs> having had a baby to optimize time off he's lined up his Exactly, because the cost-benefit ratio of having a baby to get <laughs> two weeks of paternity leave is a clear win. <laughs> uh, no regrets, 10 out of 10 recommend. <laughs> I think Tom was uh, punching the air mid-meeting, wasn't he, in, uh, in yeah, celebration? I think he was. I think he was. He's yeah. editing, so we can see if he leaves that in. Exactly. We're, we're so happy for you, Tom, from all of us. Congratulations. <laughs> we really wanted to express this. Anyway... Um, George, uh, you've only been back for one day, but you immediately dived into uh, this big story about Nationwide that we briefly sort of teasered um, last week on this um, on this podcast. So tell me, what was that story about? Yeah, so we did t we did just briefly mention it, and then Tom's been working on it all week, and I've just sort of picked it up at the last day and kind of uh, carried carried it through gloriously. But it's, it's all about nationwide stock and drop, which is the tactic to basically speed up RMBS distribution. So they issue and retain a full deal at the start of the year. And then throughout the course of the year, at kind of opportune moments, they then sell it. Uh, and we've got the full story and we've got all the reaction in our piece. But I would say this is a case where if you want to get all the details and see all that reaction is a, is a good time to read the story. And that's not at all a moment where George is being a lazy podcaster. Um, but <laughs> the story is called um, Nationwide RMBS Shake Up Opens Near-Term Funding Option. And you should absolutely all read it because it is interesting. Um, but I mean, one thing that we can't get from reading through it is um, what you think of it. So did you think this is a, a good idea? Will it work? Yeah, I, I'm very keen on this this idea from nationwide i think it's it's a great way within the scope of existing regulation to kind of solve some of the problems that people complain about with rmbs so you know even back in in may when the permanent 2023 one from lloyd's and uh the lanark deal from uh clydesdale i think priced pretty much inside covered bonds um, we were speaking to everybody, oh, what a great landmark moment this is. Um, people are still saying, right, but like, look at these problems which still exist with RMBS. Like, it takes forever and it costs loads more than it does to do a covered bond to do an RMBS deal. And this kind of solves both those problems, or at least it solves the speed one and it somewhat solves the cost one. Because in, the, in terms of cost, you can do like a three in one 
uh, and then you, so you get sort of three deals for the price of one, and then you just go out and do the distributions. And I mean, this is the real fundamental reason they've done this is it's, it's been designed to um, speed up the execution. Uh, but you know, as I said, this is all within the scope of the existing regulation, right? People's normal answer to this is securitization due diligence needs to change because that's what's actually caused these like fundamental problems and there's no reason or no obvious reason why securitization should be so disadvantaged relative to covered bonds um, so is this more like a band-aid for something that actually needs some deeper change yeah i think that's kind of a, a fair summary like i think it's a clever idea and it's a nice solution to something that just didn't really need to be a problem in the first place um or doesn't need to be as much of a problem as it is for RMBS. And, you know, this, this isn't without its downsides for Nationwide. Like, they've got to structure their full RMBS. They've got to put aside all that collateral. And um, they've got to basically announce how much RMBS they'll be doing next year uh, before the year's even started. How dangerous is that to do for um, an issuer? How so? How how big is the likelihood that something unexpected happens that um, then ruins everything for them? Well, it's not terrible in the scope of RMBS if you're only doing 1.7 billion of RMBS funding. I think that was the size of the nationwide retained deal in Silverstone. But you know, if you had to do that in every asset class, then it would give you kind of no flexibility. So, like, it's an RMBS specific solution that works because other asset classes still have more flexibility. Uh. All right. It is an interesting one. Um, but this is the second week of the, in a row that we are talking about stock and drop. And I would never want to risk that this becomes the next snooze track um, where we have a bingo <laughs> card and it's just waiting for somebody to mention it uh, on this podcast. <laughs> so, stock and drop. <laughs> <laughs> was there, is there anything else going on, uh, George? in your market yeah well uh, on wednesday actually we had a uh, well we had so we had mortimer um buy to let 2023 one i think from lend invest which had been going for a while it was like a proper publicly marketed deal um and that just priced on wednesday and then we also had pre-placed deal from together um and that should be more or less maybe there's one more deal but you know it should be more or less the end of the supply for the year in sterling um the together deal was interesting because it was a kind of it was a small ticket loans but it was a um kind of rmbs on so you know rmbs size loans on on commercial properties mostly about 80 percent of the loans are on so kind of shops and that kind of thing um and i just thought it's kind of funny because there's some sort of those compilers of deals who've had to categorize it and some of them have called it a cmbs which uh it's definitely not um and they've they've really painted themselves into a corner of their rigidity of classification yeah that could that could seriously confuse some people couldn't it (laughs) (laughs) so how how did those deals do um did, did investors uh take the time to sort of um sort of look closely at them or uh can't they be bothered anymore with christmas coming up <laughs> yeah it is a bit it's a bit absurd isn't it the the conversation about whether investors have started their christmas holidays starts in like late november i mean have you been to the supermarket even... recently um <laughs> <laughs> it's like kind of school holidays now this is like the 
almost the last week of term and everyone's watching watching films waiting for uh waiting for the school holidays <laughs> to start um exactly maybe we can suggest that to our editors can we just you know, watch films <laughs> um no, I think what's happened here is this, it's sort of similar to the Euro market, but it's it's not as not as tough to place AAAs, but still that's the hardest part of the stack to place. People are going out there doing a lot of pre-marketing that kind of, you know, you've seen some deals coming out with IPTs already and a, a certain coverage level announced before they've even uh, done any book building, public book building. And the Mez is doing really well, like I think that's basically the story and i think there's a bit of undersupply maybe in the mess was what a couple of people have suggested to me over the course of the year there just hasn't been that much sterling mess on offer um but yeah i mean as for investors being on holiday i think what's going on is they're on uh, they're looking at private deals now and they're looking at srt trades maybe um i think there's a bit of action there and um yeah, I think, you know, getting their houses in order for 2024 as well. Uh, so I don't think it's quite holiday time just yet. Yeah, and I mean, we will be there every week um, to update everybody on <laughs> whatever SRT <laughs> people can scrape together um, to price before the end of the year. Okay, well, what's what's been going on then in, in CLOs this week, Victoria? Uh, not much either. It also seems like we're um, getting towards the end of the year. I just at the time of the recording, I just had heard a rumor um, that Haven priced a steal earlier this week. Um, so by the time that this podcast is published, there might be a story about it. Um, and we still have Polus um, seems to be still marketing a deal. But apart from that, maybe there is sort of one here or there, a couple of resets that might still get priced. But um, yeah, overall, I think we're also winding down. Um, this week, a couple of banks have started to publish their forecasts for next year. Um, and I've, I've seen ones from BNP Paribas, JP Morgan and Deutsche Bank. Um, and they all seem to be, they all sort of expect activity to be at the similar level as this year. Um, so BNP Paribas and JP Morgan predict um, 25 billion euros of issuance um, well, for 2024. It was, yeah, exactly. It's the exactly same. Um, I think we're right now at around 25. Maybe we'll get to 26 or so with a few more deals pricing. But um, yeah, so fairly, fairly just exactly what we had now. Um, <laughs> Deutsche is ever so slightly more optimistic. They're expecting 27 billion euros. Um, so we'll see who's right this year this year most banks were actually wrong issuance has exceeded almost everybody's expectations um i think with the exception of jp morgan and barclays i think they were right um but yeah what's what's interesting again is um they're still not really they don't really expect a huge pickup in loan issuance um which is what clo issuance ultimately um relies on very strongly and um that suggests uh, get your bingo cards out again um, that the arbitrage <laughs> <laughs> likely to remain mm. not that great for another few months um but yeah so so with that mediocre outlook um maybe that was behind that uh the fact that sort of middle market and private credit CLOs have been getting a little more attention um, again in the market over the last week or two might just be my subjective feeling. Um, 
but yeah, I feel like I feel like there's maybe it is just a hope that um, <laughs> there will be a bit of fun activity in the market next year on that front. Are there any developments to to talk about on that front then? Not as such. Um, so <laughs> I think I've talked about this before. Um, this is it's a regular conference talk. There will always be a panel. There will always be lunchtime gossip. Um, and people do keep talking about it, but there isn't much moving forward. Um, when I talk to people, they usually mention either one big US bank or one big European bank um, as particularly interested in making it happen. Um, not sure I can reveal which ones they are just now because there isn't it's this old rumor level. Um but it seems like people really want it to happen and um maybe slightly new for me is that this week I had a, a conversation with Matt Jones um at S P Global Ratings where he summarized the potential drivers in a very beautiful way, I thought. Um and you can read his much more eloquent words in the in the article I read about it, but he essentially said so. Um First of all, portfolios of CLOs that have priced recently, um, there was quite a bit of activity, but those portfolios had a lot of loans that were sourced in the secondary market. Um, but that supply is finite. Um, you don't have infinite. <laughs> so, so yeah, like if you if you mostly buy your loans in the secondary market and primary market activity is expected to pick up a little bit, but not that much, um, then you can keep issuing some CLOs, but you can't really grow the market. Um, so so when people are looking for ways to grow the market, then they start looking to this newish asset class, not new in the US, but new to Europe um, of middle market and private credit CLOs. And then another factor is that direct lending is growing um, over the past few years and it has been growing in Europe as well, but it will be more difficult to raise capital. Um, that's what sort of most people expect. So securitization is a way for direct lenders to get some funding um, and middle market CLOs or private credit CLOs. There's a bit of debate as what the exact difference is. I'm right now using them somewhat synonymously um, in this podcast. Um, it's usually more about funding than about arbitrage. Um, so what's holding it back then? Why, where is our, our middle market private credit? <laughs> right. Where's our middle market? <laughs> Give us a middle market CLO. Um, so there's a couple of challenges um, and S&P has published at the end of last week by the time that this podcast is going to get published it'll be like 13 days ago or something um, but doesn't matter they published this credit FAQ and they dedicated it to that question um, because one of the main challenges is the rating of a middle market CLO um, in Europe you need not one but two credit rating agencies do that um, for your deal and there's a number of hurdles which is that um, in middle market CLOs that's usually loans to smaller companies um, that might not have a credit rating themselves um, so the rating of the deal would have to be based on a credit estimate um, and S&P said in that report they have received um, a number of proposals and on average um, those credit estimates, the credit, the estimated credit quality is on average lower than the rated than the ratings um, in normal broadly syndicated loan CLOs. Um, they also tend to have fewer loans in them. So whereas a regular um, CLO that we all know so well in Europe that's um, usually contains around 120 to 160 
loans that were um, issued through bank syndication, um, a middle market CLO might have more something like 40 to 60 um, obligers in there. Um, so, so there's a number of challenges. Um, there's also a few positive factors actually for a potential rating because uh, middle market CLO portfolios tend to have lower weighted average lives, um, higher weighted average spreads, and a few other, um, yeah, a few other factors. Um, and I actually found that uh, report quite useful as a journalist because it nicely summarizes all those challenges, <laughs> which are a few more. There's currency hedging, there's lower liquidity that people have to tackle. Um, so yeah, uh, please everybody go read that. Um, this is non-paid advertising <laughs> for <laughs> S&P. Um, but yeah, I think the goal was to sort of actually help bring the conversation forward a little bit um, and give everybody the same language uh, so that they can proceed now um, in the somewhat stuck debate. Anyway, you can read that story called First European Middle Market CLO Expected Next Year. Excellent. And I think that is all we got time for today, since we've already talked a bit about what might be coming up in terms of deals. So what remains is thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, please subscribe wherever you're listening to this and where, however that works on that platform. Just click something related to our podcast. Um, and <laughs> if you have any additional input or questions or devastating criticism or immense praise, um, you're always welcome to email us on... Um, all our email addresses work the same. So it's victoria.tila at globalcapital.com and george.smith at globalcapital.com. And should you feel a desire to talk to Tom, that's tom.lemon. Um, and other than that, I hope you all have a lovely week and see you soon. Goodbye. Bye.